gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Bogue. Yeah, he's still calling the plays. Nagy is delegating a little bit more responsibility. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. I'm still struggling to find this out, how everything is going to be coordinated amongst all the coordinators that the Bears have right now. Now, here they are. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you. Getting later in the week and closer to padded practices, real NFL practices that we will actually be able to view with our eyes. Just a few days away. I wonder how many guys are going to wear the face shield. I I saw a picture of Von Miller wearing the, the, the face shield. It looks pretty doable. Just my thought. Yeah, I think so. I don't see why not. Um, I hope. I wonder how many guys are going to continue to practice wearing masks, even underneath their helmets. That's something we could continue to see. Uh, it'll be interesting, but uh, those will start Monday. We got some things to talk about with that and stuff we're going to be looking forward to watching. Uh, welcome in, Adam Hogue. Adam Johns here with you. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue H O G E at Adam Johns J A H N S. You can read. Me at NBCSportsChicago.com. I actually have a story up today on things I would have been looking for had the Bears played the Browns on Saturday as they were scheduled to do. I feel like that's um, mean, but we could talk about it later. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We'll probably discuss that. Um, And Adam Johns, of course, right here on The Athletic, theathletic.com, the great athletic app. And if you're not subscribed, you should be. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You go there, you get 40% off, and now's a great time to do so, especially with practices starting uh, and us being able to watch them and the pads going on. This is the evaluation this year in the preseason, and it's what we have. It's what you're going to get as a listener. And uh, with no preseason games, we're going to do our best to report and explain what's going on with the Bears. It's going to be a challenge, but I'm looking forward to watching actual practices and doing this. Yeah, it's all we have, and it's all you're going to get in a sense (laughs) because of how limited things are now with uh, the pandemic and the regulations that have followed. But I'm looking forward to it, just just to seeing padded practices again. You always have like the build-up of camp where you have like the three or five practices where it's just guys in, you know, helmet and shells and – that, that first day of pads is always looked at eagerly. Like you want that day to come because you want to see some live contact, even though it's limited. But here we are, first day in, first day of pads. I like it. Yeah. Well, uh, so we'll have all that reaction for you in our first episode next week and get you as many observation observations as we're actually allowed to give you because I think there's going to be some rules with that too, as there always is. You know, things are limited. Johns, you couldn't even get a question in yesterday of Matt Nagy, and that happened to me last week. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little disappointed. Um, maybe they cut it a little short. I, I don't know. Look, I'm trying to be as flexible as I can with all this. Not that I it was a pressing question. I, we get them every week or every yeah. day next week. So there's time. It's uh, 
interesting times for, for everybody, including the media, media relations, all this stuff. So just trying to be fair, trying to be patient, my friend, trying to be uh, calm. <laughs> it's hard. It's yeah. hard. Um, all right. Well, let's try to remain calm as we, we talk about this. Uh, the Bears would have been playing the Cleveland Browns this weekend. And I think there's a lot of different things that would have been interesting to watch. First of all, the Bears would have already been about a week and a half into padded practices, two weeks into training camp. And um, let's start with this. Obviously, the quarterback competition is number one, the obvious thing. But I would imagine that both of the quarterbacks would have gotten two to three series in the game. Even in the first preseason game? Yeah, why not? Why not? You got to evaluate them. This is different. You know, the, the, the good old days of seeing the... Number three, number four quarterbacks out yeah. there. Yeah, I, I mean, this is all hypothetical. You know, we have capotheticals in Chicago. I'm trying to come up with a name for the the fake non-existent game that you just analyzed, but I'm all for it. I am all for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just busting well, your chops. <laughs> no, I know, but it's it's you know the pain of not. I never thought I'd miss the preseason. Although I will say, I'm not going to actually. You miss didn't it. miss it, okay? Like, come on. The first preseason game, nobody misses that one. It's like the maybe the second and third that we all miss. Here's what I miss. I miss getting the information that we are able to get from the preseason games. I will not actually miss driving down the Soldier Field on Saturday. Although, you know what? If you told me I had to go to Soldier Field Saturday to watch a football game, I'd be happy to do so. I want to make that perfectly clear. No one's complaining about that, especially in a pandemic world. I'd love to watch football this weekend. That's why I'm actually looking forward to Monday's practices. But um, here's the other thing I really would have been interested to watch. Not just the quarterbacks and how much they played, but everybody, how much they play. I mean, we've heard Matt Nagy openly admit that it was a mistake not to play these guys in the preseason last year. And that we heard uh, uh, Flip said it the other day. Like, he made a comment. Like, it sounds like the plan was to play these guys this year. That was the plan, you know, before the pandemic struck. So... That part of it, I guess, is out the window. What we'll to wait till twenty twenty one to have any idea of how Matt Nagy's preseason strategy is changing uh, in the future? But um, I guess they just got to get creative and find ways to simulate this stuff. My guess is that we're going to see some scrimmages. Yes, yes, coming up here, full tackling scrimmages. Not maybe not the entire scrimmage, mm-hmm. maybe not even an entire series, but several plays. Does that make sense? Because you still want to, like, if we know Matt Nagy and how he, he takes the the safer than sorry approach at, at this time of year, um, he's not going to want to go live like multiple times during the week just because uh, out of fear of injury. I, I don't, especially like like there's a guy on your list that I'm looking forward to seeing, and this is a guy you got to be mindful with. It's rookie cornerback Jalen Johnson. Like I really want to see him against Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller one-on-one in practice starting Monday. Like, I, full pads, full go, you know, uh, plays called, routes called, all that stuff. Uh, I want to see what the rookie can do against the Bears receivers. But, again, going back to the safer-than-sorry approach, that's a guy who's coming off recent shoulder surgery and who you're counting on. So how much does he actually get full contact? Uh, yeah, you got to be careful. I think that's why it's been good to have this ramp-up period, but I'm also very interested to see, okay, like you look up at the calendar, it's a week from today, Bears-Lions in Detroit, and that last week before month, that game. Month, month, month. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say week? Yeah. My fault. Yeah, obviously it's a, a month. But that last week before the game, that's game week. So you really only have three weeks to look at this stuff. Um, and, like, for instance, this coming week where the padded practices are going to start would have been the week in Denver where they were scheduled to practice against the Broncos again, which I found, I thought was very beneficial a couple of years ago. Vic Fangio this year. Yeah, and then play the game. So here's a good example of a rookie uh, who pretty much was in the exact same situation. Your guy, Roquan Smith. Remember, those were the first practices. He signed his deal right before they went to Denver. Yes. And he showed up there. And so that's pretty much the same timeline. Like the time he missed, that was into one preseason game. He shows up. I don't remember if he played in that game. He didn't play against the Broncos. Yeah. Did not play against the Broncos. So there was like a ramp up period for him. You got to be careful. At least Jalen Johnson's had the benefit of being around the facility the last couple weeks from a conditioning standpoint. Um, But in terms of going out there battling in padded practices and then not having preseason games, like that's sort of the timeline he's going to be on. And with Roquan, two things were very obvious right away. I mean, well, one, it was he should have been playing. Because remember, he didn't start against the Packers. But he came in and played really well right away. Yes. He had a sack on his first snap, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then was it by week two he started? Is that right? Yeah, replaced Kwiatkowski. Yeah. Maybe that's a similar thing that happens with Jalen Johnson. Like Maybe he's just not quite ready to go by week one, but I tend to think he's going to be starting a lot right away. Yeah, I, I think. I keep trying to compare it to Kyle Fuller's. Um, like when he took over, but that required a Charles Tillman injury, like a season-ending injury. Um, J- Johnson's behind Artie Burns and, and, and Kevin Tolliver. Like it's just different talent in front of him, and, and Johnson's got high expectations. It, it, the expectations for Johnson are, are significantly higher than for, for Kevin Tolliver, and I mean that, you know, regardless of, of all the praise that the Bears want to heap on a, on a Kevin Tolliver, it's just not the same. They know it. Johnson knows it. Tolliver knows it. You got a second round pick, a top fifty guy, who would have gone earlier if he didn't have injury problems. So, yeah, I I'm interested to see how he handles himself. Um, I think he plays sooner rather than later. Uh, I think the same applies to Cole Komet. Maybe even to like if you're talking about other positions like that we're gonna watch. I always like watching the the linemen, right? The the one on one mm-hmm. battles in the line, you know, once the pads are on, especially down in Bourbon A or, or now up here at Hal. So yeah, you and I always find ourselves gravita- gravitating towards those battles and you got a right guard competition. You got a rookie in Travis Gibson that has to get back into, into like a new position to learn. You have a veteran in Robert Quinn who's got a new position to learn who's gonna be upright more. Um, you have uh, a competition now to take Eddie Goldman's starting spot. So to see what the big boys do, to see what the guys up front do, you know, those offensive line versus defensive line battles, like that's going to be important to me to watch start, like starting Monday because there's some jobs and snaps that could be won amongst those guys. Absolutely there can be. Yeah, and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the right guard battle hasn't started yet. Like you need to have pads on. You need to be able to hit each other to really be able to evaluate these guys. So – that gets going Monday. 
also one of the things on my list that I would have liked to see in the preseason games. But the one thing, at least with the right guard competition, is Jermaine Effetti, Rashad Coward. Like maybe the games would have given us a slight idea of who's got the advantage in terms of who starts, you know, who starts the game. They both would have played a lot. They at least in practice get to face Akeem Hicks. Yeah. Right? So uh, I think the practice reps are going to be – that's something you can simulate. That's yeah. that's a battle that you can get a good idea in practice of who should be your starter. I think there's different challenges at other positions, like at quarterback when you can't simulate a live pass rush. But when it comes down to that battle with the right guard, facing Akeem Hicks in practice, uh, I – I think that, that they'll be fine. And, and it's more than Hicks, too. Like, th- that's a guy who's going to get, the, you know, his veteran days off, right? Because that's a guy you have to manage to make sure he gets the season as healthy as can be, especially, you know, given his problems in the past with his knees and whatnot. You need him as healthy as, as can be. But, like, a guy like Nichols, a guy like Roy Robertson-Harris, who, you know, what, what surprised me recently, Adam, when I looked up the snap counts of last year, like, Roy Robertson-Harris played significantly more than Eddie Goldman. That just shows you how much the Bears are in sub. And for a situational guy, he's a, a whole different challenge just in terms of length, speed, weight even, than, than in Akeem Hicks. So to, to see those right guards go up against that too. Now Coward has that experience. Um, uh, he's gone against some of those guys before, but that could be telling as well because they're put like those guys like Nichols, Jenkins, Urban – they see snaps that can be had because of Eddie Goldman's absence. So the, the the fire on both sides should be compelling. So in conclusion, you wish there was a preseason game this <laughs> week too. <laughs> no, but yeah, maybe you know the the, 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 the sense of normalcy would would have been nice to have. Uh, I, I'm well into the lifestyle of this being different in terms of coverage and access and everything. You know, I've I've accepted yeah. the fact, but. Yes, it, it it does feel nice, Adam, to be talking about this, knowing that by the time we record again, we would have seen maybe one or two real practices with these guys going up against one another. Yes, an actual quarterback competition playing out in front of our eyes. Uh, at least that's the plan. You still don't know at any given moment like which team might end up with positive tests. And practices get shut down. I'm still bracing for that. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm still bracing for that to happen at some point. And that's always kind of the unknown uh, that can pop up at any given time. Uh, all right. Anything else that you're looking at uh, in terms of practices really starting? Out? We should mention that technically yesterday practices, like the uh, the non-padded practices that you usually see right at the start of training camp, uh, did start up. So they, they're able to do a little bit more. They're able to run full-speed routes, for instance, and the quarterbacks can drop back and throw, uh, which for Nick Foles, first time he's been able to do that with the Bears. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely interested to see how Nick Foles connects. I want to see how he interacts with guys as well. Like I spent a lot of training camp practices like reading body language and you know trying to eavesdrop on certain conversations that's <laughs> wrong to say but you you hear him sometimes like I, I yeah. still remember last year Harry Heastan like really getting on the, the offensive line there remember on the final days of Bourbon 8 and mm-hmm. maybe that was you know a, a precursor to kind of <laughs> what, what happened you know in, in the regular season but like I want to see how John D. Filippo 
interacts with a Mitch Trubisky and a Nick Foles. I want to see what Bill Lazor, like what are his interactions like now that she, like what, what's David going doing now? Like there's so many people involved now in this quarterback conversa- conversation, you know, competition that it'll be interesting just to, just to see the, not only like the results on the field, but the mannerisms of the people involved in it. You know, that reminds me, um, Zach Zabin and I used to always stand at the end of practice when John Fox would pull, um, pull the guys together, you know, in the, the center of the field and have his, his, uh, John Fox conversations. <laughs> I lost my razor. Truth be told, my wife went in town all week. So I didn't anybody getting on me about it. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he says things like that. Like, yeah. Like, uh, yes. Of course he does. Um, but <laughs> um, anyway, he'd be talking and is like, you know, if all these reporters around us would just shut up, we could hear what he's saying to the team. Yes. But everyone was so busy, like chit chat with each other, waiting for John Fox to come over and talk that we couldn't hear it. And I used to always get on. Our nerves. Well, my experience is sugar goes a lot further than vinegar. <laughs> well, the Bears may need some vinegar now to uh, get through this quarterback competition. So, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. You know, like uh, they've they've promised not to sugarcoat things with Mr. Trubisky, and maybe we do see a John D. Filippo lighten into him, or, or Bill Lazor, even a Matt Nagy, which would be even more telling. Uh, it, it's all going to be compelling theater, and it's it's it feels overdue. I I'm actually quite excited about it. Yeah, I am too. Um, and I hope that a month from today we will really have a football game between the Bears and Lions. It'll be weird without fans, um, but it'd be nice to have at least on our TVs. I don't know if we'll be there or not. Well, we're going to talk Lions here in a little bit with yeah. our friend Chris Burke from The Athletic. So we're optimistic here at the Hulk and Johns podcast. We're going to stay, op- we're going to stay optimistic. Uh, yeah, Chris Burke coming up next. But first, it's still summer. There's not many weeks left. But this is the time we'd usually be out at the practice fields. Um, you know, some of us would be getting suntans. You'd be getting sunburned. But- yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I should be better with wearing a hat and sunscreen, but continue. Yeah. Um, but beaches are still open. The sun is still shining and those bushes, they must be tame. Manscape is here to ensure your post quarantine body is ready for the wild. This is the perfect package. 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower. It's waterproof, has a cordless body, it's a nice trimmer, has other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave. This third generation trimmer features skin safe technology to reduce your manscaping accidents. You know, we have a lot of fun with this read every podcast we do, but for real, this is a, uh, we both have it. This is a good product uh, that, that I definitely enjoy. And for a limited time, you do get the opportunity to get two free gifts, the shed travel bag, which is a $39 value and the patented high performance reduced chafing manscape boxer briefs. Those are comfortable. You know, I haven't worn those yet. I should. Yes. Very comfortable. Highly recommend them. All right. You're in on the uh, boxer briefs. All in. 
all in. Okay. Well, uh, do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping right now with code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code THEATHLETIC20. And again, for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs, which Adam Johns loves so much. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. And now a word from our friends at Indochino. All right, let's bring in Chris Burke, who covers the Detroit Lions and uh, does a lot of draft stuff, too, for The Athletic in Detroit. Chris, thanks for jumping on with us. Uh, supposedly a month from now, it'll be Bears and Lions at Ford Field. Yeah, you coming uh, coming up? I don't <laughs> I don't think like a lot of things right now <laughs> hopefully the bears are there I have no idea if we're uh, going to be invited or not at this point uh, I think there's still a lot of things to figure out but hopefully it would uh, it'd be nice to actually witness a, an actual football game yeah fingers crossed I know they're still talking about um, trying to have some fans in the seats for that game and everything so be surprised if that happens but I guess we'll find out just uh, hope it all works out Oh, so they're still optimistic about having uh, fans there. Um, they could pump it in, though. Can they not, Chris? The, you know, that is a, an indoor stadium, if, if need be. You know, the, the Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons can uh yeah. with their crowd noise. <laughs> yeah, if they need to. I mean, I think that they're still um, waiting for official word from the state, from the governor here, to see if they're going to be allowed to have people in. At the moment, I think they uh, probably would not, but... Um, yeah, you know, like you said, we got uh, a month or so, so hopefully things look a little better somehow in two weeks, and uh, a few people can come in. But I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't cross my fingers. I, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. I assume it's going to be an empty place, and uh, you know, hopefully the game goes on as as planned. Well, if the game does go on, uh, I would assume also that without fans. But assuming the game happens. What uh, what's the general outlook for the Detroit Lions this year? I actually really like their draft, um, but it's it's is looking from the outside in. It's a very interesting situation to me with Matt Patricia and how this team potentially responds under his leadership this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that I think in house they feel very confident. They feel like they've sort of spent two and a half years now building things the way Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia want to build things. And they've got, I wouldn't say the roster exactly where they want it, but pretty close or certainly closer to where they want it. And they feel like that's going to pay off in wins, assuming Matthew Stafford stays healthy. Um, so I don't know. I don't know that people outside the building match that uh, enthusiasm for them. I mean, I think that they're certainly better than what their record ended up last year after they had to play without Stafford for eight games. I think that they... Um, you know, have what potentially a really good offense and should be better defensively. So, you know, the pieces are kind of there for them to at least be uh, more competitive. You know, whether that means seven wins or nine or ten wins, I'm not sure. But I, I do think that they feel pretty good about where they're at. And like you said, they really like the draft. They liked the draft they had last year. Um, a couple of those guys didn't have great rookie seasons, but they're still, you know, TJ Hawkinson's a guy they're still banking on, um, Jelani Tavai. So, they feel like they're a lot closer and, and it, 
whether or not they get another year to prove that, I'm not sure. It's going to depend on <laughs> how close they actually are this year. Well, before we get to, to, to Stafford, I think, uh, you know, people in Chicago are pretty familiar, you know, with, with who he is. But but on defense, I wanted to ask you about the, the new cornerbacks, two new cornerbacks, one signed, one drafted, and what they could potentially do or, or mean for uh, Matt Patricia, like you said, who him and, and Quinn have really retooled the, this roster, and you're looking at two new starters uh, in the secondary, are you not? Yeah, um, and it, it it's tough. I mean, anytime you take away a guy like Darius Slay, uh, even replacing him with you know a top five pick and Jeff Okuda and Desmond Trufant, who's been really good in this league at times when he's been healthy. I mean, that's a big uh, transition, and we've heard you know Darius Slay's come out and sort of said uh, the Lions didn't disguise a lot of coverages with him. They just sort of had him match up and man and and follow a guy around, and that was it. That was all they did. I think the Lions counter that would be that they didn't necessarily trust Darius Slade to do other things. Um, and so I think that they maybe now feel like they have a little more freedom to play. Uh, I don't think they're going to disguise coverage a ton. I think they're still going to play a lot of man-to-man and a lot of cover one and things like that. But uh, they've got a couple guys that, you know, Trufant was really good in zone coverage in Atlanta. Okuda showed some of that uh, at Ohio State. So I think they've got a couple guys who can play if they want to just line up and be physical, play man-to-man, or if they want to mix and match a little bit more, they, they've got a couple options now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a big leap for Jeff Okuda to go with no offseason and potentially be the number one cornerback uh, in a very tough you know, receiver-heavy division. So... Um, that's that's a big challenge for them over the next few weeks is making sure that those two guys are ready because they have some depth, but certainly nothing that would uh, you know scare opposing offenses if one of those two guys struggles. Chris, when Matt Stafford got hurt last year, I mean, this was essentially a 500 team, um, which I think a lot of people maybe in Chicago would argue like that's sort of the ceiling for the Lions always, <laughs> but... <laughs> But, I mean, they they were a competitive 500 team, and Stafford was quietly having like an MVP-type season. He was playing very, very well. Um, what is the optimism that essentially those things play out again this year, that Stafford's going to be back, play to that level? Because he hasn't always been consistent, but he's obviously pretty talented. Uh, and that the Lions will be competitive with him out there. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit on both the reason for optimism and the reason for pessimism there is that he played incredible. The offense was really clicking. Kenny Galladay looks like a legitimate, I mean, maybe a top 10 receiver in this league, still have Marvin Jones. Um, And now you bring in DeAndre Swift. So in theory, you've got uh, at least two backs that you can count on and and maybe one really good number one back, uh, three down guy in Swift. So the offense should be really, really good. But at the same time, like you said, uh, he got hurt in their eighth game, which they lost in Oakland late. They were three, four, and one at that point, um, and that was with Stafford playing MVP caliber ball. So that obviously points to some issues, uh, both defensively and uh, I would say from a coaching standpoint. You know, they were great over the first you know twenty to twenty five minutes of games last year, and then the start of the second half was pretty much always a mess, and they wound up finding themselves in some tough spots. They you know, couldn't close out an Oakland game. They couldn't close out the Chiefs. They caught a couple tough breaks in Green Bay, but that was another one they let slip away. So that, you know, that 
it is kind of a thin line between where they were and, uh, like I said, nine, 10 win team, but that's, that's the worry is that even if you're going to get the absolute best Matthew Stafford, if you can only be three, four and one at that point, is there a super high ceiling for this team? If Stafford can repeat that. And I don't think it's any guarantee that he repeats that. That was about as well as he's played really in his career, the first half of last year. And it, it came out to three wins. I wanted to ask you about TJ Hawkinson in Chicago here. Everybody's going to obsess over what, you know, Colt Clement can do as the, you know, the Bears first pick. Um, now that was in the second round. So maybe expectations are a little bit different than, than Hawkinson. But like when you looked at Hawkinson's rookie year, I know he ended up on injured reserve was that in, in December. What did you see from the, the top 10 pick? Like where were the difficulties? What would we be looking out for as we look at, you know, a Colt Clement quite closely here um, when we get to report to Alice Hall? Well, I, I think the big surprise um, is like sort of all through the summer and all through training camp and then into week one, he was really had a big week one in Arizona. He was a, a huge threat for the Matthew Stafford in the red zone. Uh, when they did joint practices, when they were just working out amongst themselves, linebackers and safeties just could not cover him inside the 20. He was dominant down there. And then uh, he scored in that Arizona game, and then that was pretty much it. He scored two touchdowns last year, and they tried to hit him in the red zone a few times. It, I think he had seven or eight targets before he got hurt uh, inside the 10-yard line, and um, like I said, he only scored a couple times. So I think that, that was the big surprise, that it never really clicked for him that way. And I don't know if it was just you know defenses throwing some things at him that he wasn't used to or if he lost some confidence or whatever it was. But um, that was the big surprise, that he wasn't more productive there. I think – when he was healthy, um, you know, you kind of see still the skill set there. He's a guy that can block for you, but he certainly is someone that's tough to match up with uh, over the middle of the field or down the seams. I think they'll try and use him that way again this year. And he did have some injury stuff. It, you know, he had the leg injury that knocked him to IR, but he also suffered a concussion kind of earlier in the season. And I don't know that, um, you know, mentally he ever got fully back from that. He didn't look quite like the same confident player after that that he was before it. So uh, I think he's still a huge piece of this for them. I think they're going to lean on him a lot in the passing game. And um, yeah, I'd say there's still a pretty high ceiling. I mean, it's tough given where he was drafted, what the expectations are going to be for him. But, um, you know, I, I think that there were some good things. It's just a matter of whether he can carry over those good things and and sort of find what he had through like the second week of September last year and, and bring it back to the field. Chris, taking Stafford out of the equation, give me the biggest strength and biggest weakness on both sides of the ball for the Lions. I mean, I think their biggest strength is, and probably as long as they have Stafford, is, is their downfield passing attack. And that was something that really clicked last year with Daryl Bevel in his first year calling plays for them. They were they were great pushing the ball downfield. They were great off play action. You know, I've got two guys in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones who uh, don't need a lot of space to operate, so you can just throw it up and give them some chances the way Stafford used to do with Calvin Johnson, and and they'll make some plays. So that that was really effective. I think Hawkinson will play into that too if he's healthy. You know, just just throw it up and let him make some plays. That was how he scored. You know, his uh, touchdown against Arizona was almost a hail mary basically on third and long. Um, so I think that that's their strength. They they want to. They want to be balanced. They want to run the ball, but their strength is in pushing it deep and hitting some big plays from time to time. Uh, question mark. I mean, I, this line has some potential, but 
you know, they, they were only okay last year. They're swapping out the right side of it. There's a new right tackle, new right guard. I'm not even really sure who the right guard's going to be. They drafted two rookies, so uh, competition there. And, um, you know, they have a really good center in Frank Ragnow. I think he's one of the better young centers in the league. They have an all right left tackle in Taylor Decker. And then three spots that, you know, you really need to see come together pretty quickly here. I feel like every year there's some type of comment from a player or former player that kind of raises eyebrows about Matt Patricia and the leadership and, you know, the future of the Lions. So when Darius Slay says a couple of days ago that the Eagles, what is it, treat players like grown men, and now everybody's going to see that as a swipe at, at Patricia. Like, as a guy who covers them so closely, like, how do you perceive that? Is the the angst kind of overblown, like are guys buying into Patricia? Take us through it if you can. I'll say this. I don't think it's any coincidence that the sources of those quotes, uh, like Darius Slay, Quandre Diggs, Glover Quinn after he retired, um, Damon Harrison a little bit. Uh, for the most part, you know, I think Harrison and Patricia had a pretty good relationship, but for the most part, it's guys that are leaving who – the Lions, you know, Patricia and Bob Quinn sort of circled at some point during their two plus years together and said, this isn't, this isn't really working out. Um, and that's sort of tough when you're a team that's kind of always chasing things from the bottom of the division to be giving up talented players like that. And, and it puts you in a spot trying to replace them. But I don't think that they lost a lot of sleep at trading away Quandre Diggs, trading away Darius Slay. Like, I think that those were things that they felt were kind of addition by subtraction uh, like I said, because at cornerback, some of the stuff they wanted to do, I don't know that they trusted Darius Slay to do that. And, you know, whether or not you buy that, <laughs> I, uh, I'm not sure. Um, and I guess we'll kind of see how it plays out this year. But I, I think that they pushed out guys that they wanted to push out, and that's who you're hearing from. And then, you know, they. it's kind of interesting because on the other side of it, people kind of make fun of the fact that they keep bringing in Patriots. But you know, I, the money obviously helps when you're giving Jamie Collins and Trey Flowers and Danny Amendola type of the money that they gave them. But, you know, you're bringing in guys that have been in this system. They know Patricia. They know what the practices are going to be like and the day-to-day is going to be like, and they're still signing up. So uh, I think this is all part of their plan to get their very specific guys in place. And that's sort of been the challenge for them is I think that they see this roster as they need – an exact 53 guys like they that you can't have you can't miss on one guy and go get someone who's kind of like that guy you need that specific guy and if you don't get them uh you're kind of out of luck for a season and trying to piece things together so um i think there are some people he certainly rubs the wrong way and i think you know there are some guys that don't mind it or at least will put up with it because they trust him and and they are all right playing in detroit the uh, last thing I have for you is that you know Mitch Trubisky is a always a hot button topic here in Chicago. Uh, tends to be nationally to you know fair or nice, kind of become a national punching bag. But what's interesting about talking to a Detroit guy right now is that he's had pretty good success against the Lions in his career. Um, so I'm curious how he's viewed in Detroit. Especially, you know, you see like that Thanksgiving game last year. He was, he was, you know, pretty much outstanding in that game. Um, so, how is Mitch Trubisky viewed in Detroit, 
because I tend to think that his success against the Lions will actually be a reason why he's starting September 13th in Detroit. Uh, I think to a large extent he's viewed as evidence that Matt Patricia hasn't done a very good job in his first two seasons. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I mean, and that's not, and not even just too risky. I mean, Chase Daniel, who now is a lion stepped in and, and threw for, you know, he played well and won a game in Detroit uh, when he had to yeah. step in and play. So I think it's, it's the quarterbacks, uh, but I think it's something about this offense and, and, you know, bigger picture, they've had issues with offenses that do some of the things that, uh, the Bears offense can do um, just with moving parts around and, and speed and getting sideline to sideline. They just have not been very good uh, at that linebacker level and at times at the safety level at being able to contain those things. Misdirection is just kills their linebackers. And so some of those things that the Bears offense has done against them, um, it's a little surprising to see Trubisky light them up every time, but it's not necessarily surprising to see that offense have success against the personnel that they've had. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, like you bring up that that's a big week one moment for uh, probably for both teams, but certainly for Detroit. Cause if you come out at home, even if it's an empty stadium uh, and lose and, and get lit up by uh, Trubisky or whoever's quarterbacking for the bears, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty bad start for you. Cause the schedule's tough for Detroit over the first five, six weeks. And that's really one, you know, you don't want to call a week one a must win, but that's that's one they need to play pretty well in. And it would be um, a bad sign for this revamped defense that they've spent so much time trying to get the way they want if they still cannot stop Mitchell Trubisky and uh, what the Bears are doing offensively. Chris, well, what do you think of the division? One, one, one conversation we've always come to here is that there, there's so much change in – or, or well, that was the story last year. But but like, what have these teams done to actually improve? You look at the Vikings. You know, they they lost some defensive starters, and you know they traded Stephon Diggs. You got the Packers, you know, drafting their future quarterback when they got a Hall of Famer who is still you know willing to you know eager to win right now. Then you got you know, you know Trubisky and Foles competing here in Chicago. We just talked about the Lions a, a bit here. Like, what do you think of? the division like is it a good one is it overrated how do you see this playing out I mean I think it's uh I think it's going to be a competitive division um I I'm sort of hesitant to call any of these teams uh look at them as as elite teams and I think that's that seems to be the general consensus at this point is that it's going to be kind of a a mess with a you know everyone sitting six and ten to ten and six and I it certainly wouldn't surprise me if that's how it ends up um you know, I thought for a little bit there that that Minnesota was kind of pulling away and establishing itself as the team to beat in this division. Um, and I still think that there's a, a lot of things on that team that um, that would make you think that they're a playoff contender, to be sure, uh, on both sides of the ball. But I don't know that there's a huge gap between any anyone and anyone else in this division. And I think to some extent that's what the Lions are kind of counting on this year to circle it back to them is that, you know, I, I think that they felt that they were kind of in the mix at the start last year when Stafford was playing so well. And now you look around and, um, like you said, you see some of the subtractions and even some of the guys that these teams have lost to the opt-outs. I mean, the Vikings lost uh, Michael Pierce. The Bears obviously had a um, – 
a big hit there in uh, Goldman. So um, I think it's it looks pretty even to me <laughs> across the board on paper, um, at least as even as you're going to get, uh, you know, in, in mid-August. So I think it should be really interesting to watch how it plays out. Yeah, I think that's a good assessment. Chris, really appreciate the time. I want to make sure our listeners know to follow you on Twitter, at Chris Burke NFL. Great coverage on the Lions, uh, especially with uh, Detroit and the Bears set up for week one. We hope we hope it goes as planned uh, exactly a month from today as we record this. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. And that's the facts. That's, that's 100% truth. Chase Daniel. All right, appreciate the insight from Chris Burke. Always uh, enjoy. We talk so much about the Lions. I I was thinking about this the other day, Johns. I kind of feel like the like Detroit feels the same way about the Bears. Like just like, you know how like, we're like, like a theme we, we, on this podcast. We're like ah, the Lions are just kind of there. You don't have to worry about them. Like I feel like they feel the same way about the Bears. Do you, like so in here, and we've used it a lot on this podcast. All the Lions are just the Lions. Mm-hmm. So in Detroit, you're thinking you're thinking. Oh, the Bears are just the Bears? I feel like that's almost worse for them because they got Matthew Stafford, whereas we've had all sorts of guys here at quarterback. Which was kind of a conversation there with Chris. Like, yeah, okay, Stafford was playing at MVP level. You're still only a 500 football team. And then you lost them and you didn't win a game. That's a problem. That's why I'm still skeptical on them. Like, I think they're going to be a little bit better, a little bit tougher this season. But, um, yeah, I could see how a lot of, not just the Lions, but, the Packers, the Vikings, like they just look at the Bears probably the same. The Bears have been the same forever. Well, I know Green Bay fans do. They they love the mock. All right. Okay, we yeah, know they're going to have a good yeah. defense, but they don't have a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's that about, eh? I can't do that. Well, <laughs> was that the, the Canadian Packers? <laughs> no, they talk that way up, uh, up there too. I spent four years up there in school. It's been a while since I've tried the Green Bay, northern Wisconsin accent. I will yeah. get it back. See what that's all about, you know? Trying. We're trying. Again, that's Canadian. <laughs> no, it no, sounds very talk, similar. All right, you got to talk to my mother-in-law. Yeah. She would you know you, it, yeah. She would give you a good, oh, jeepers. <laughs> there you go. See. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> there we go. But but it's, yeah, yeah, it's the same. All the Bears are just the Bears. But So we've now had Matt Schneiderman on, our, our Packers guy. We've now had Chris Burke on. We'll, we'll get Chad Graff, who covers the Vikings, here down the road. But I, I think it's... We're all in agreement here that this division, there's no runaway winner here, right? Like, they're all pretty locked in step with with, with different strengths and weaknesses. Like, there's no – this isn't the Packers that everybody thinks they are and the Vikings aren't the same. It's pretty wide open, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good analysis. And if you're in Detroit, you're probably saying, look, if this is a year we could steal it at 9-7, and maybe this is it. Um, That's why – this first game, this first game is big. It's it, and I actually agree with Chris. Oh, Jeepers! It's, it's a big. Oh, Jeepers is a big game. Um, I think it is big for the, especially for the Lions. Yeah, what a tone setter for them. Like even if like say, Trubisky goes out there, doesn't play well. You know, then you turn the page to Nick Foles, and right. like that's the storyline here. But if Trubisky goes up there and lights him up like he has in the past. Yeah, it's uh, not good. Not it's a good, good, my friend. It's a good way to get this, the seat hot underneath you if you're Matt Patricia. So, all right, well, we appreciate Chris coming on. A good conversation there, and uh, we definitely are looking forward to practices starting up, real practices, real football 
and being able to watch them uh, next week. So we'll be back next week to break down what we're seeing. And uh, we'll hear from Matt Nagy more. And we'll hear from more players because I know that's been tough. Basically, I haven't heard from a whole lot of players all offseason, just here and there sporadically. But uh, the deal is, like, next week it's a much different training camp, but it's going to be like training camps actually started. You know, like we would have had for you two and a half weeks ago uh, under normal circumstances. That's how it'll be next week, and we're all looking forward to that. Yes. Usually we have, like, these practice observations early on in camp. They don't really carry much weight until the, the pads are on. Well, now the pads are on. We'll see what this quarterback competition's all about. I'm excited. Can't you tell? Yeah, but I say this every year. I My first impressions, I put a lot of stock in them. I actually do think first impressions at the start of camp, when the pads come on, especially for rookies, can be very impactful and say a lot. Um, and that's a conversation I know I have every single year. So to me, that's kind of what this next week will be. Pads are on. Who's been paying attention? You know, who's who's really put in the work this offseason? Who's yeah. been staying in shape with no offseason program? Who's ready to go? Uh, and who's looking good right away? I think that'll. I think we'll learn a lot, and I'm looking forward to that. So yeah. uh, what you should be doing is following us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, for the latest. We'll have tweets. We'll have all kinds of things, uh, at least what we're able to give you, allowed to give you. Uh, we will do that. And, of course, you can read our coverage. I will be at NBCSportsChicago.com writing things, and Johns and Kevin Fishbane, the whole crew, uh, great Bears coverage here on The Athletic. If you're not subscribed, you should be, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, and uh, that'll all be there for you next week. In the meantime, please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate our loyal listeners. Uh, we got to figure out a way. I've been thinking about this. I don't really know how to do this. We got to figure out, to, like, can we do a virtual live show somehow? Because I was thinking about that. We're getting to the season, and we've not done a live show in so Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, like the Bears have with Zoom calls with all the reporters. I don't know if Kent is up for having to operate the, the raise hand function, but uh, something to explore. That could be fun. we we got to figure something out, uh, maybe right at the start of the season, because we're definitely not going to be able to go to Houndstooth and do that whole deal and declare the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> you did that. You did that. We Me? were all optimistic then. Me? Oh, jeepers. Talk to you next week. See ya. And that's the facts. That's that's 100% truth.